For decades, slender, furry predators called martens have struggled to recover in northern Michigan, even though martens are doing well in the UP. The question is why? Why haven't martens spread like wildfire here in the Lower Peninsula? Today on Points North, we'll hear why there are so few martens in Lower Michigan and what could help this small native mammal come back. I'm Peter Payette. Our story starts near the Manistee National Forest, where 36 martens were released in the 1980s. Tribal biologists have been monitoring the species there for years. Lexi Krupp reports. Every week this winter, Bob Sanders and Angela Kajawa have driven around the Manistee National Forest following this sound. They're biologists with the Little River Band of Adawa Indians. And these beeps come from a GPS collar on a pine marten. They're these curious little mammals related to weasels. They're really cute. And martens used to live all over the woods of the upper Midwest until settlers came in and cut down these great stands of white pines and other conifers. They logged all this. Now all the slash created these huge wildfires, and then nothing will grow. That's why you see all these red pines they came and planted. But all these old stumps are all white pines from, I don't know, 200 years ago probably. Trappers also killed martens for their fur. So by the early 1900s, there weren't any of these animals left. It wasn't until the 1980s when Michigan's Department of Natural Resources decided to reintroduce the species to the Lower Peninsula. Paul Keenlance is a wildlife biologist at Grand Valley State University, and he says Michigan worked out a deal with the government in Ontario, where there were still martens. The original plan was to reintroduce animals over a series of years and about 200 animals total. That's not what happened. The deal with Ontario soured. So the DNR just released 85 martens in the Lower Peninsula over a couple months. And there was this other problem. They only collected animals from one game preserve. Well, that probably meant that the martens they were catching were, you know, mom and that year's offspring and dad. That was all back in 1986, and the state hasn't released any other martens since. We kind of started and we didn't finish. It's kind of the story with martin reintroduction anyway. Tom Gearing is a biologist at Central Michigan University. We spent all that time and resources to bring them here, let them go, and then we're done. So there was really no follow-up on... Was it a success? The answer is not really. And in recent years, Tom and other researchers have been trying to get a better handle on why. He says it's not only this lack of genetic diversity from inbreeding that's working against the population in the Lower Peninsula. Martins are also really picky about where they live. They need thick forests filled with logs and big trees with cavities where they can hunker down. The landscape has some habitat for martens doesn't appear to be ideal. A lot of this prime martin habitat is cut up into little pieces, separated by open spaces like highways and farms. There's more of these continuous thick forests in the Upper Peninsula, where martens have done really well. They've also gotten a lot more help there. The DNR brought in martens from different places and moved those animals around. I think what they did is everything right to get ahead of inbreeding issues and kind of these little populations getting stuck like they seem to be in Wisconsin and the Lower Peninsula. So martens are doing quite well. They appear to be in the Upper Peninsula and we have a trapping season and it's just night and day. 
Tom says if we want to see martins succeed in the Lower Peninsula too, we need to introduce more animals and do intensive follow-up studies and manage our forests with them in mind. That's something Paul Keenlands from Grand Valley State would like to see. If we don't do everything we can and we lose them again, to me that's worse than what happened you know, in, in the 1800s because we just didn't know any better then. We know better now. We can do better. The agency that would largely be responsible for this, the DNR, has said they want to keep Martins in the Lower Peninsula, but it's not something they're working on now. And this is Points North from Interlochen Public Radio. I'm Peter Payette. Winter is a great time to find animal tracks in the snow. Today on our field guide, we hear how birds also leave tracks with their feet and wings. Cheryl Bartz from Red Pine Radio explains these tracks can be much harder to decipher. In a meadow overlooking Crystal Lake, I found some tracks in the shape of a T. Each leg of the T was about two inches wide with no obvious beginning or end. The snow surrounding this small patch was undisturbed. I guessed that a bird plucked a mouse or vole from the snow and flew off. But what kind of bird? And why so many tracks? For help, I sent a picture of the scene to Caitlin Bonnet, director of the North Sky Raptor Sanctuary in Interlaken. I asked her how to figure out what happened. So I think what I would do first, one, I would celebrate, because that is such a find. Like, wow, that's so awesome. Then Caitlin said she would look at the habitat. So we've got tall trees, which um, both uh, the great horned owls and the red-tailed hawks like to hunt from. Both of those species are very prominent in our area, and they like the tall trees with the field around. Next, she would look at the size and depth of the tracks. The track sizes and like the body print, the mass, it was enough to push the snow down a fair bit. Um, and also it's, it's quite wide. Um, so that leads me to think that maybe not as big as a great horn, but a, a reasonably robust red tail would, would make punches kind of that big. Caitlin's best guess was that a juvenile red-tailed hawk swooped down and tried to catch a small rodent, but didn't nab it on the first try. They're, they're not afraid to walk around or stomp around trying to figure out what went wrong, um, which, which kind of is what exhibits here. Now we know what questions to ask when we find bird tracks or wing prints in the snow. And March is an excellent time for tracking birds. As the snow melts, mice and other small rodents will be more active and attract predators from the sky. Cheryl has a number of photos of bird tracks and wing prints on our website, interlockandpublicradio.org. That's Points North for this week. I'm Peter Payette. Thanks to Lexi Krupp and Cheryl Bartz for their reporting. Thanks to Blue Dot Sessions for our theme. Thanks for listening. Have a great weekend.